Hi everyone, I'm Tiffany Xingyu. I'm the GM and the co-founder of Oasis Consortium, a nonprofit organization that builds brand and user safety standards. Welcome to Brand Safety Exchange, where I interview innovators and practitioners in the space. Today, I have Paul Snyder, product management lead at Central Player Dynamics at Riot Games. Welcome, Paul. Hey, Tiffany. How are you today? Great. So. Let's introduce yourself.、Uh, what do you do at Riot, and what is exciting for you lately? So I'm a trust and safety professional. I've been in the in industry for about 20 years、uh, now, about the last decade or so in gaming. At Riot, I'm the initiative lead, also、uh, known as a team captain for the Central Player Dynamics Initiative. And what we do is we build out all of the systems that. Deal with disruptive behavior as well as promoting positive、uh, gaming experiences for our players. It's a fun space. It's a new design discipline. Player dynamics is, and we're really taking the things that we're learning and developing in that design discipline and applying them for our players. I'd say the most exciting thing for me right now is that we're growing so that we can scale our services out to all of our players worldwide,、uh, and. That's been great to see that we're getting support and that investment from Riot because we we know how important this is for our our players and our future. Thank you, Paul. And I love you call、uh, player safety in the industry. We call user safety, and for you is player safety and player dynamics. Let's talk about how does player dynamics impact on your user engagement and brand of、uh, Riot Games. Yeah, I think the important place to start there is is with our core promise to our players. For Riot, it's all about player experience first. That is really something that goes back to the foundation of the company. Riot was started over a decade ago by a, a couple of people who felt like there was a disconnect between what players were looking for and what they wanted and what they were getting from game developers, and so. Our players have, from the start, been at the core of our business and, and a tremendous focus of what we do on all fronts. In this space, in particular, when we think about brand impact and safety, in particular, we know across the industry that、uh, research tells us that players really show up for the sizzle of a game. It's a new game. It's fun. It's a new genre or a new、uh, twist on a on a well understood genre. But they'll stay. And they'll only stay if they feel like there's a community there where they can interact, where they have an opportunity to build and develop both their own skills in that game and their relationships with other people. That can be all kinds of different ways of interacting. That sense of community, which is such a core to how Riot thinks about all of its games, League of Legends, and、um, sort of the beginning, and now as we expand into other games, that really at a baseline requires that people feel like they can come in, they can interact with other people, they can feel safe. So engagement for us, at least from my perspective in the on the team that I'm in now, is really about setting conditions up for players to feel like when they show up, they kind of know what they're going to get. If things are don't go the way they would like or the way that they had planned, that Riot is standing behind them and that we're we're there to to support them and help make sure that、uh, the right things happen. I love your point about how the player dynamics really means to the community and the real user engagement. Can you give us some concrete examples, good or bad, why the user safety matters? 
more broadly, not specifically about riot, I think anytime you see issues that are related to various different kinds of safety, both physical safety and sort of the perception of, of safety and interacting with things, anytime those things are connected to a brand, they tend to both persist for uh, a long time in the community and in the press to a certain extent. And they also, this sort of perceptions expand well beyond what they might think of as their, their kind of typical customer base. I'm not gonna name any names, but if you think about like oil and gas companies, for example, there are a couple of pretty well-known companies that have had safety issues, maybe not human safety issues in all cases, but you know, environmental safety issues that negative brand perception has persisted for them for a long time. Same thing is true in a variety of ways um, online with social media companies or, or places that folks uh, sort of interact in public places. For us, when we think about you know, our players, our community, there are a lot of overlapping sort of interwoven different sub-communities in that space. And for all of them, they have kind of a different angle or slice on how safety might be applicable. So if you think about new players coming in, for example, they might come in because they've heard that this is a great game or they have friends that play this. And so they want to try it out. For them, safety might mean I can come in, I can interact with these people that I know, and I can not have to interact with folks that I don't want to interact with, that I have the ability to just kind of either focus on my friends or if I'm making new friends that I can manage that really easily. For other groups, if you think about streamers, people that are interacting in kind of this one-to-many business model, for them, safety may mean more around how do I manage my relationship with these people that are viewers, where I'm influencing the market or those experiences in some way. And so there's sort of a two-way street there of, how do I make sure that when I'm putting myself out there that I have the right kind of support from the gaming company, that I have the right kind of support from the streaming platform, and that I'm not going to get targeted or abused in some way. The other side of that, the other direction on that two-way street is if I'm a viewer, if I'm somebody who's following and watching these things, how do I know that the things that I see are going to be okay? How do I manage my own experiences? And when I see something that's not okay, do I know what to do about it? Can I do something about it? And those are all things that play roles in how we think about the kinds of services we provide, the kinds of uh, capabilities that we want to make available for our players. Well, you know, one, one last group that I didn't mention before, but kind of spreads across all of these are underrepresented groups, you know, people that are maybe not, don't look like me, that are different in some way from how people traditionally think about the gaming community. Um, Research has shown that, that gaming is a multi-billion person industry around the world, that there are so many different ways that people can interact with each other in, in playing games, um, you know, one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-many. And in all of those places, we want to make sure that we're supporting and providing the right kinds of experiences, the kinds of experiences that those players want, in particular when they might be uh, somebody who could get targeted for some reason that is not okay. I, I Just in shorthand, I don't have a better way to put that. So for us, like the, all of those things are really about setting expectations kind of upfront 
and then making sure that when we have new opportunities to learn things, that we have new information that we get, that we adapt and we, um, we grow the, our, our services for those players. Thank you, Paul. That is a very holistic view of uh, how, how all this plays out uh, in the gaming industry and beyond. And um, it really sounds like it's a very complex problem uh, to solve. So I would love to hear the hardest challenge that you have dealt mm. with to build a trust and safety muscle within Riot Games, and especially what has worked versus what hasn't okay. worked out. There have been a few. I think the biggest thing, and, and one of the things that I've really appreciated after coming to, to Riot, I was in one of the gaming platform companies before, is the, the scale and the breadth of our players and our gaming platform. We operate worldwide. We have players on every continent in a multitude of different countries, in different cultures, with different expectations about what gameplay looks like, what interacting with other people um, looks like. So I think the hardest thing for us has been operating at that scale, but still being sensitive to and aware of cultural nuances, of being able to provide an experience that meets the expectations of a particular market, uh, let's say for uh, Korea, which is one of our, our biggest markets and isn't generic to expectations in a different market like Brazil or in Eastern Europe or in North America. They all have different ways of interacting with each other in these different places and creating that sort of flexibility to manage those things has been a, a huge challenge. And I think Riot has done well at that and it's something that we can do a lot better at. For example, in, in thinking about how what we've done that's worked in that area, the way that Riot grew over time, and in our space, the predecessor to my team was a player behavior team, um, which is dedicated uh, to League of Legends. The way that they evolved um, in the past, and that was around this sort of regional model of building out the game platform in the business. So Riot grew by publishing League of Legends in all of these different countries and having a presence in those countries so that that local division could adapt the experiences to expectations locally. And we had done a pretty similar thing in terms of how we handled our behavior systems. We had models that were trained for local languages. Um, we had moderation being conducted when uh, humans were required by people in local markets. And that really, I think, worked well for meeting the needs of the people in that particular area. As we've started to publish these new games that we have, we've expanded beyond League of Legends. Our mission, our team has been building out systems that support all of these games worldwide. It's not embedded within uh, just a single game. And the regional model that has been successful for us in the past is a little more challenging in that context when we start to think about multiple games in multiple regions because each of those regions requires a level of customization that has been, I think, pretty challenging for us to maintain uh, and hard to do at scale. So we've been trying to work on, okay, now how do we take what worked regionally and bring it back and apply that in a global way and build out our systems that have more integrated flexibility that don't require as much human direct uh, decision-making locally that doesn't get fed back up in and help us learn and improve our, our models more broadly. 
So that, that's an area that I think we've made some good progress in the last six months to a year, but we'll make more in the coming year and, and it'll, look, uh, it'll look a little bit different and I think it'll be a lot more effective soon. I love the fact that you take the cultural diversity and inclusion lens into uh, this topic. And beyond the global and regional collaborations you mentioned, mm -hmm. I've been always curious for different organizations, where does trust and safety fits in the organization, given that it's a rather new discipline and before trust mm -hmm. and safety, there are different shapes of it. So understanding how trust and safety fits into the organization and collaborates with the rest of the organization really help the audience to understand how we can really make user safety everywhere and on top of mind mm -hmm. of everybody in the organization. At Riot, there isn't an explicit trust and safety function. The things that I think would traditionally be in the last couple of years or so as that's evolved um, more as a discipline. Those functions, cheating, anti-cheating, um, fraud detection, um, personal safety, all of those things are a little bit more distributed at Riot. We're, we're part of a player platform team which is often where you see this kind of uh, capability start to grow within a company. There's an operational component to what we do, um, but we're not part of the operations area. That's another place where I would typically see a trust and safety team uh, begin to grow. So for, for us at Riot, we're, we're part of this platform team that is building out a set of capabilities that every single game that we publish can access and, and will use. And so our goal is to make it as easy as possible for these game teams to focus on gameplay, which is what they really care about, and not have to be uh, as concerned about the capabilities of evaluating uh, voice or text chat or uh, dealing with um, disruptive names or named things or if and when we ever get to something like the sharing of content we don't really have that risk factor or feature depending on how you want to look at it uh, in our in our products uh, today but we sit in a in a pretty centralized place and are interacting both directly with the game teams and with our uh, support organization and with the larger leadership uh, of the of the company because what we do uh, in central player dynamics is so critical to uh, Riot's you know, strategy around focusing on players and on making sure that players know that when they come to a, a game that Riot publishes that they're gonna have a great experience and that there are, there are just certain things that they'll see and, and um, my team is a critical part of delivering that experience. So Paul, you have been in the space for seven years in trust and safety and attack for 20 years within an established institution. So what would be your advice for younger professionals aspiring to enter in the space or for emerging platforms who want to do safety by design? What would be your recommendations for them to build out a team and build out safety by design muscle for the company? I think the most critical part is understanding what your users, your players, uh, your gamers 
what their experiences are and bringing a, a sense of empathy to what would you want your experience to be like? And I think that when you start to look at the various uh, types of companies that play in this space, particularly in tech, that there have been multiple different directions that a trust and safety type function has developed. For Riot, that came out of that, the development of, the, of this area came out of the way that people were interacting with each other and in-game communications. And so that was really the first focus back in the uh, early days. What we've recognized is that there is a, is a huge opportunity and strength that comes from kind of stepping back away from the experience that has happened to thinking about how did these individuals come together. And so when I look at sort of safety from that perspective of how do I bring different people together? How, how do I expect that they're going to interact with each other? What are the ways that they will maybe develop a rapport, uh, develop a sense of some sort of a sense of a relationship, maybe make, make friends? It's about thinking about that experience and, and coming at it a little bit from a design perspective, a little bit just as a human. So for somebody who's coming into this space, I've seen people come from a variety of different sort of areas, both from software development devs who are really just passionate about this space, from support organizations, from other companies that have similar sort of functions. It really starts with that understanding of what is that player what is that uh, user expecting and what can I do to help them achieve their, their goals and their expectations? And frankly, in gaming, some of those players come in with an expectation that they're going to go disrupt other people, that that for them is fun. They've, they've learned that for some reason. What I would say is that we want to, in this, in this sort of line of work, to the extent we can come at it from not from a uh, pseudo law enforcement perspective, but thinking of it from more of a, a human perspective, how do we gently, you know, nudge people back in the right path, knowing that there's, there are people on the other side of the keyboard, that there are opportunities for you to really get somebody back into sort of a more uh, socially acceptable kind of behavior pattern. Um, means that you just need to be human. You need to expect there are going to be people who are just behaving in a different way and you want to understand why they're doing that and try to set expectations accordingly. Stepping back to like the, the formation of, of a team like this or of, of building this kind of capability, the real critical part in my mind is making sure that the folks that are making decisions about either the game itself, if it's at a, at a game level or at the company, understand that part of what they should what they should be thinking about is what it, what are my customers what are my players what are my users going to think about my brand when they hear my name when they hear riot games what are they going to think about when they hear uh, you know oasis what are they going to think about and being ready and thoughtful about crafting experiences so that if something doesn't go right, if it doesn't go on the happy path, that you're ready to, um, you're ready to respond. So for us at Riot, this has been about going back up to leadership, talking about player dynamics as a discipline, how we think about the ways that people interact and how we build capabilities to sort of promote um, positive interactions that the, the leadership understands 
how important that is in being focused on player experience first and that it isn't all just the gameplay, it's the experience around your platform, it's the experience around your product and that you've thought about all the ways that that might not go well. You've put a plan in place to deal with it. Not everybody's gonna be able to staff up a, a big team to go uh, investing capabilities or, or even necessarily be able to go out and outsource some of this. There are many, uh, I think, pretty good outsource opportunities out there. But, but at least having an awareness of the importance of managing those expectations and those experiences and being ready to, uh, to respond is, is really a critical part of, of this whole um, sort of safety space. Yeah, what I heard is that this whole trust and safety initiative is also a human-centric approach you're taking for, for user experience. And also it is brilliant to, to take a proactive approach rather than the reactive approach. Um, and I think the last uh, point you also mentioned that you know how you actually put brand identity always on top of your mind when you actually think about trust and safety. Thank you so much. Those are wonderful points uh, is advice for, for the emerging platforms as well as for professionals who aspire to come into the space. Thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the show. And thank you so much for being an advisor on Oasis Consortium. Thanks, Tiffany. It's been a pleasure. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat. Thank you so much, Paul.